Welcome to Middle School Walk and Talk, a podcast series offering heart, hope, and health to members of our middle school communities. Take a walk with co-hosts Phyllis Fagel and Joe Mazza as they discuss self-care, student well-being, school culture, and more. Middle School Walk and Talk is a production of the Association for Middle Level Education and is designed to support the concepts outlined in our foundational text, The Successful Middle School, This We Believe. Learn more at amle.org. Today's episode, Ask Three Times. Hey, Phyllis, happy Middle Level Education Month. Happy Middle Level Education Month. And as I learned this morning, happy International Women's Day. How have you been doing? I'm doing great. And Phyllis, you are one of my role models uh, as it relates to that second uh, piece there. And uh, it's always great to talk with you. We've got a really special guest today with us. Will you introduce uh, Jay Lee? Yes, it's my pleasure to introduce Jay, who I have known for a few years now. And one of the reasons I wanted to invite Jay to come is because he has been in elementary, middle, and high school settings. He's been an administrator in the middle school. He's currently a principal at Carter Rock Elementary School in Bethesda, Maryland, which is part of Montgomery County Public Schools. And he has a really interesting background that I will let him share with us and I'll turn it over to him now. So welcome, Jay. Yeah, we are tucked away in a little corner um, in Montgomery County. We are bordering Maryland and Virginia. Um, we have about 320 students at Carter Rock, um, very special. Um, we've been open for 56 years um, and we've been strong ever s- since we opened. So I first spoke to Jay, uh, at this point, I think it was a, almost a, two years ago or so. And we ended up having a conversation very early on. I hadn't known him very long when he told me this story about coming to the United States as a middle schooler from South Korea. And the story made a huge impression on me. He didn't speak any English and had a really difficult transition and yet emerged from that phase really only to accomplish a tremendous amount as an educator and to be very good at what he does. And I'm hoping Jay that you can share with everyone listening a little bit about that journey and how it impacts the way you lead your school and work with students today. Thank you for um, having me, for sure. Um, when I came, you know, from South Korea, um, I was very excited, you know, um, on one hand, because in South Korea, the, the educational system is so rigorous and really unmanageable, right? You know, where they are going to school, we're going to school from very early in the morning all the way into very late in the evening um, and having to keep that up Monday through Saturday. You know, and so ha- not having that type of pressure, um, I, w- I was really looking forward to coming to the States. Now, when I finally came to the States, um, it was a very different type of um, experience where I didn't go to, um, you know, a school for about four months, you know, because, you know, the visa and, you know, different pieces. So I, w- I was essentially home for, for a little while. And when I finally got to school, I was not only excited, but I was very nervous about what I couldn't you know, couldn't see. And part of it was, is that when I walked into the building, um, there was not really a great support system in place, right? You know, I walked in, everyone's speaking a different language than I do, um, you know, and they're all, it seems to be, they seem to be talking to me, but I don't really know what they're saying, right? It was really difficult, um, you know, but I really just sort of um, pushed through and took one day at a time. And somehow I, 
um, emerged from that. And I'm very happy to be where I am now. When you were taunted a bit, if I recall correctly, by other students, at times you didn't know what they were saying, but you knew it was not good. Do you remember whether any adults supported you at that time, or did you feel like you were out on your own? I felt like I was out on my own. Um, no one really were catching what was happening. Um, you know, they, I mean, it was all happening sort of in the background, right? The most friendly, you know, the kids were pretty savvy and they really didn't, like they made sure that our teachers couldn't hear, right? You know, and so like when I'm sitting in front of them, you know, they will sort of whisper in my ears um, something about, something inappropriate, right? And if I don't understand it, um, they will laugh at me. If I responded, they will laugh at me. You know, and it was one of those like, you know, there was no win whatsoever. And you had also mentioned that the the ESL classroom itself was removed from the rest of this school. Can you it was talk about probably, that? yes, that was, you know, probably something that I didn't realize at the time, but it felt very isolated because the school that I went to, um, you know, it, the ESO class was essentially in one in the hallway in, in the school. And then the whole entire hallway, there was a gym and there was an ESO class. That was it. You know, and so it was very obvious um, to me, you know, that, that we were different, right? You know, from the, from the get-go. Um, and that made us feel different and feel separated from the rest of the school, um, you know, which was hard. So based on that experience, and I think that is a really astute observation that I'm not sure adults would necessarily intuitively predict would be problematic that the placement of a classroom would message to the students what their role was or give them a sense or lack of a sense of belonging in that building. Right. What kinds of things other than that have you taken from your middle school experience that you think has changed how you lead or impacted how you work with students now? That um, one of the bigger pieces I took away, you know, is that the school that I went to, which is the same school that I serve in, um, Montgomery County Public Schools, you know, has a great system in place where they are sending um, like ESO counselors from the county to students that are in the ESO program to support them and guide them, you know, and so forth. Um, what I think was lacking at the time is that more sort of centralized, um, more systematic support from the school so that it's, the support is being received in real time instead of being retroactive. You know, I, I think there's obviously you see an experience, I'm sure, you know, varying degrees of Asian hate, you know, in your own community, on TV, across the world. How do you process this with, you know, students of color in your school, um, kids that you know, are seeing this and, and, and potentially might be fearful for their own safety. Um, how do you coach parents and teachers, um, you know, that they're supported and, and, and what they need to do if they see something, hear something? How does that work? How do you utilize your own upbringing and empathy, you know, for, for this here in today's 2022 world? I think, um, even before I go into that, you know, one of the things I want you know, people to know about me is I'm, a, I'm an avid backpacker. Um, I have, you know, I have thousands of miles under my belt, you know, you know spending um, numerous hours, days and nights um, in the woods by myself or with, you know, with a few friends. Um, and when all of this Asian hate started to sort of pop up, I stopped going into the, into the woods um, for the fear that someone actually might hurt me. 
Um, and it lasted a good two years where I just didn't go into the woods. Um, and so it also took me some time to process, you know, what was happening in the world, in the society, um, and to get over that fear and, and being able to go back to, you know, one of my happy places. Uh, you know, and so it, that took a lot of time, you know, and so that also kind of helped me to realize what type of support our students and parents um, and our own children. We have two young, young kids, four and seven-year daughters um, that, um, that I want to support, right? Um, so looking at that piece, you know, because I'm a person of color, I am very conscientious about what it is that I say and do and how it may um, communicate indirect and direct, you know, messages. Um, you know, and so when I speak, talk about race, I want to, I make sure that we are um, talking about race in a safe environment, you know, and so that we can, you know, our staff can learn about, you know, the different racial um, issues that we have in this country. And that may or may not also exist in our, in our building, you know, and how do we move forward and how do we support right, our, our students and parents. Um, and really being um, pretty open about these conversations with our parents, because at the elementary level, um, you know, which is my sort of, most of my experiences have been in, which is that parents have to really be on board, right? We have to work together as partners to have a conversation. Um, you know, and when I was in middle school, you know, the, the conversation about race, you know, wasn't really taking as you know place as you know often as it should have been, you know. And so when I was working in middle school, one of the things I did is I made sure that I was setting a really good um, role model. I was being a good role model um, to all students and parents, you know. In that way, no one can really question, "Oh, that's because you know he's Asian," or you know what happened, or you know play into those um, stereotypes. Um, and the other piece of it is is that you know I was not very good in math. Right, and like, unlike the stereotypes we have you know, about Asian people, all Asian kids are great at math. I wasn't, right? You know, and so that also played against me, right? You know, because like in when I was a student in middle school, when I was a student in high school, they all thought that oh, you know, he, he's wearing he wears glasses, he, he's very smart in math. It, it fully worked against me, you know. And so always think about that piece and and think about how you know all stereotypes are something that we have to confront and make sure that we are serving all students by looking at them as a whole child from you know, looking at all the data, all of the informal data, and, and, and so that we can really do what's best for kids. So Jay, for your students who are, I know you've had a background being an administrator for several years in the middle school, you've taught at the high school level, and now of course you're in a school that's K through five, and so your fifth graders are going to be transitioning on to middle school, you want them yes. to be prepared, ready, looking forward to it, particularly since it's middle level education month. What are you doing in your own school setting to ready them for that next step and help them deal with any fears they might have right now? You know, there are a few skills that I think our you know, students must have, you know, before they go to middle school. It's the same speech I give them every year. You know, you have to be kind and you have to do your very best and you have to find someone in that build in your new building that you can trust and you can talk to at any time. Right? And it has to be a staff member, right? It can be a security guard, it can be a cafeteria worker. Doesn't matter. You have to find one person, and that you can always go with the one person. Um, and you know, I even before you know, leading up to the promotion ceremony, um, you know, these are the kind of conversations I'm having with all of our students, and you know, especially when students are making. You know, like all people do, I mean, when they make mistakes and they end up in my office, you talk about, okay, are you, were you being kind? 
what you're doing your best, right? And who's the one person you, you know, went, went to uh, talk with, right? Um, and then making good decisions and, and making good friends and things like that. Those are some of the skills that um, our students will really need as they transition to middle school. The challenges that you had, you know, some of these kids that, you know, you're just referencing right now, um, you know, how are, how are you better for them with this experience that you had growing up than just, you know, somebody that didn't have those particular experiences? Um, you know, just take, for example, other Asian Americans in your school. Um, I imagine that there's a special, a unique connection with those students. There is. Um, you know, when I was um, a high, high school student, um, my senior year, I still remember my mother showing up at school in this bright, very, very, very ugly green dress and essentially embarrassing me in front of my friends, saying that, you know, she received a phone call from school saying that I'm not going to graduate. And so she's here to talk to my parents, you know, talk to my teachers. And I said, no, we're not. <laughs> we're not going to do that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Right. You're, you're embarrassing me. Um, you know, and so. When I grew up, you know, I wasn't necessarily the model student, right, for, for a host of different reasons. And I was never mean to anybody or anything like that. It just, uh, you know, like things just didn't make sense to me when I was in high school. And because of that experience, right, um, I empathize quite a bit with all of our students, whether they struggle or whether they are, um, you know, really good in sports and, and but not so much in academics or, you know, they're really, um, you know, not so good, at, you know, it, or in any which way um, I find that I can relate to just about any student because of my experience and my level of deep understanding that at one and all students, right? They want to be liked, right? They want to learn, they want to be successful. Um, no matter what they say and what they do on you know day in, day out basis, that as long as they know that we believe in them and that we will continue to we'll never give up on them, I know they will you know turn around and and you know do what they and reach their potential. So Jay, for kids who are insecure, meaning all kids, and that's true for those who are good at school, not good at school, good at sports, not good at sports. It's just a really vulnerable age. Yes. In their effort to impress their teachers, to make their friends laugh, they're going to make a lot of mistakes. And I think we're seeing more acting out perhaps than before the pandemic, a, a little bit more carelessness with people's feelings, maybe with their with their belongings as well. And because they're more sensitive, they're quicker to get a rise out of someone else. How are you combining that empathy or that understanding that kids are flawed and imperfect with also imposing consequences and helping them be that be their best self? How are you kind of walking that line right now? There's that uh, the whole restorative justice piece, right? And it's about fixing something that happened. Right. But even before we can get there, um, the children, the students have to trust us, um, you know, and so I spend a lot of time really building relationships with students by always being out in the hallway, or, you know, always seeing them in, you know, in the lunchroom, in recess, in middle school. I know some schools don't have recess, but um, and then really making sure that, you know, that trust is there. Um, and even if the trust trust isn't there, you know, the conversation all the time is about teaching and learning. Right, that we focus on that piece, you know, and and that um, you know, no one's upset, right? This is about just me giving you an opportunity, or for me to get to have an opportunity to learn about you, and for you to learn about me, and then we can work together to figure out what might have gone wrong, 
and how we can fix it as a as a together so I can continue to support you in, in your growth. Um, and I have, you know, I don't know that I've ever met a student um, that that didn't, you know, appreciate that message, right? Um, you know, though we may have taken a half a year, um, we we'll, we'll usually there as long as we're consistent as adults and educators. You've got some unique experiences. I think your students and staff and families are really fortunate to have you down there. Um, last question um, of the day here, and this is since it's middle level education month, um, I guess I wonder when you were in middle school, what did you need from your school and your teachers uh, on a day-to-day -day basis? You know, I think um, one of the mistakes that we make um, as educators is, you know, even as readers, right? You know, what do you need? You know, what can I do for you? Right. You know, that question, um, you know, or do you have any, anybody have any questions, right? That kind of things. Um, you know, once we can kind of switch that a little bit and ask, what questions do you have? Right. So like you are saying questions are normal. And so what kind of questions do you have for me? And that way I can support you. Um, and that that's, you know, slight mind shift. I think goes a long way, especially for our students in middle school and high school, even elementary school too, in that you are being purposeful in your support instead of asking them if they need support, really being mindful about what it is that they likely will need now and moving, moving forward and being able to provide that support right then and there um, instead of waiting another day or you know, uh, you know, missing opportunities to do so. Um, I think that you know, had I had more teachers, to be honest with you, in middle school um, who were there giving me um, specific support that I needed um, would have gone a long way. Um, you know, something that people, you know, may want to know about South Koreans or, you know, many of the Asian cultures is that, it, you know, when someone asks, you know, if they, you know, if you need help, you know, it's sort of custom for us to say, oh, I'm, I'm doing just fine. Thank you so much, right? There's a rule about asking three times. If someone asks three times in our cultures, that means they really mean, um, you know, they, they're asking, you know, whatever they're asking, they really mean it. Um, but unless you hear it three times, you are essentially taught from very, very young age not to say yes, right? Um, so, if, you know, when teachers came up to me and said, oh, do you need support with writing? I mean, I'm like, in my mind, I'm screaming yes, but because I'm taught to say no two times before I can say yes, I'm like, no, I'm okay. And then they walk away, right? <laughs> you know. And so if the teacher had come to me and said, let me help you with this. I can see that you're struggling in this regard. You're doing well in this big, you know, piece and, and giving me that real life, you know, real time feedback I and mean, support would have been really helpful. helpful. Jay, that really resonates for me because a few years ago, I had a student who said to me, please, tell the teachers to stop asking us if we're okay. Because when they ask us that question, we all lie. It's the biggest lie we tell. And the problem is once we say we're fine, which is a big fat lie, we feel like we can't go back and say we're not fine. We feel like we've missed the opportunity. And one of the lessons I took from that conversation that I think really applies here and that I think would have been true to answer your question, Jay, for my own middle school self is to have my teachers assume I wasn't fine and assume I needed help and to just take a really analytical look at where I was and whether I needed support and how I, they could best support me and just give the support, not necessarily make it transactional in that way, because it is, it's hard to ask for help and it's hard to accept help as an adult, let alone when you're 
11 or 12. And I was really, really shy. And so I think my method was essentially to stand near a teacher long enough for them to hopefully notice that I needed something and to say something to me. And they rarely did because if you look like you're not falling apart and you're not speaking and it makes complete sense, they just assume you're okay. So I think really remembering that kids can look 100% fine and still really be in need of some support. And, and to go off on that just a little bit, um, you know, one of the equity um, strategies is wait time, right? And if you wait five seconds, um, you know, people usually will come around. It usually takes me more than that, right? So when I'm in a, you know, you know, MCPS meeting, the staff meeting or what have you, and someone is talking and asking questions, I'm ready to answer, but seven seconds have gone by and I'm already, you know, there was somebody already, um, the, the presenter already moved on. So it, I think it's important for us to remember that, you know, there are ways to pull everyone in, um, even the you know, students and, and, and adults, you know, who might be a little more on the shyer side or a little more, um, you know, not as extroverted. Right? Definitely. How about you, Joe? Um, I'm an introvert. I was super quiet um, in middle school. I was not confident. Um, I wasn't a strong student. I was middle of the row um, at best. Um, you know, and I, I, got, I needed teachers to be there for me, but not like overtly, like discreetly. I didn't want to call attention to myself. So, you know, the, the teacher saying, hey, how's everybody doing? Was great. Like, like you, you basically cancel all the kids that would eat, never even offer in the first place, um, you know, there. So I, I think that, you know, just being there and, and being strategic about it, um, taking it seriously, um, you know, which goes back to, a, you know, a lot of the advisory model that we talk about and having that, you know, that trusted adult, whether it's your advisor or, or somebody else and, and see it through. Um, you know, it's important. We don't, kids don't have what's going on inside their heads or in their lives written on their foreheads every day. Um, we're only going to get there by building the trust and the relationships with them, um, you know, and, and listening to them. So uh, I, I appreciate you both answering that question. I think that um, you know, this is the month that, you know, we try to throw a little bit more weight on middle school because it's not elementary school. It's not high school. There's a very specific reason why we talk about the things that we talk about. And um, Jay, thank you so much for, for joining us today. Um, and uh, before we um, let you go, I, I missed if I didn't share a couple different summer opportunities in which Phyllis and I are going to be. Um, at this summer. So in San Diego, California, the Institute for Middle Level Leadership is happening June 26th to the 29th. And if you're on the this side of the world in uh, on the East Coast from July 17th to the 20th in Orlando, Florida, um, the Institute for Middle Level Leadership. So teacher leaders, uh, school administrators, um, it's going to be a multi-day personalized retreat. Really looking forward to that. It's a good time during the year, um, you know, to just kind of meet with other uh, middle school minds and, and get better. Phyllis, any closing words today? No, it's just so fun, Jay, to see you on the screen. I know our listeners are not seeing the visual piece of this, but I talk to Jay about school nerd stuff a lot, but rarely do I actually see him. So it's really a pleasure to have you join us. So thank you. Thanks for having me.